let's get going. Uh, welcome back. Um, I think the happiest person in the training camp started is my wife. You know, and this coaching profession is kind of like cold turkey. You, know, you go from the season where you're working you know, over 100 hours, and then recruiting, you cut it down to about 80 hours, and then all of a sudden, the month of July, I see you all the time. And I think by the end of July, I think they're counting down to minutes before you, before you go back to camp. So I'm happy to be back. Uh, obviously, there'll be a lot of questions about personnel today. Um, if the guys are on the roster, they're on the team. The guys aren't on the roster, they're not on the team. So I will talk about the guys that are on the roster. I will not talk about the guys that are not on the roster. Simple enough? All right, so let's uh, fire away because I'm sure you got a lot of questions. What's the, what's the plan for what you guys will do with the offense during camp? I'm, I'm sure you got a lot of this all done in the spring and that kind of thing. You have to start back at the beginning for all the newcomers? Or? Well, what, one thing, the, the new NCAA rule that was invoked this year where you could spend two hours a week with your players football-wise was invaluable because for the, the only guys that are really behind are the guys that are just walking in the door right now, you know, guys that just walked in the door, you know, in the last couple of days. You know, um, Everyone's here. The only two guys that are not physically here at, at this at this moment right now are Mosby and Ahambe. You know, Mosby's finished all his school. He's got one class that they have to finish grading. You know, a few assignments, and when they finish those assignments, you know, his age grade will be here. And Ahambe, they're just waiting for this deal with the NCAA and prime prep, and you know, it's really it's not Ahambe's fault, you know, it's that's just what it is, and other than that, everyone's here. So I hate to disappoint all your stories out there about all the guys that aren't here, but they're all here, everybody. Um, oh, by the way, Skyler, I know that that was another issue. Skyler got scoped a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was just a cleanup of his leg. It was a two to three week recovery, so, you know, he might, go, he might be able to go tomorrow, he might be a couple of days, but Oh, he's not gone for the year. Um, he's a, and the day to day was a, was nothing major, but it was something we felt that we should clean up so we don't have this issue during the season. Charlie, those two hours that you're talking about during the summer, the mostly just the mental film work and for some. Well, that's all you were allowed to do. You know, um, you still has you have eight hours, so six hours was still strength and conditioning, but now you had to block it. Well, we did it two different ways. In June, we did it one way. In July, we did it a different way. So in June, we went four day, We went, you know, two days a week for an hour hour settings, and then in July, we went one day a week for a two hour setting. And the reason why we did that is because I tied in coaches' vacations. But coaches' vacations got kind of got sh cut short some this year because, you know, the only way you could be, you know, in installing and playing catch up with people mentally was to have position coaches here going over the information. But I thought it was a great role. I think it helped especially the, the new guys, you know, play, play catch up. Because with everyone else, going back to the initial question about where we are with the offense, you know, when you're putting an offense new in the springtime, you're just putting a foundation in anyway. You're really not spending much time game planning. You're not trying to figure out well, how you're going to beat your own defense. You're just putting it in. You know, I think that now as we get into training camp, you know, we'll go about the first week and a half, you know, where it's offense against defense all the time. And then after about a week and a half, we'll start putting in some carded periods where it's, you know, we're going against a different offense or a different defense. So both sides of the ball get an opportunity to work on things that, that we don't currently do in practice. How much do you think that helped Montel with that two hours? Well, I think that. The whole thing with Montel was he he won the job in the spring, but by us naming him at the end of the spring, it put him in a position where the summertime, you know, it was time for him to step up and start and, and start being a leader. And uh, even though he won't, you know, take over for Harwell, who's like one of the perceived true leaders of the offense, he put himself in a leadership role where. Now he's much better suited to go 
handle and manage and run the team because now the players don't just look at him as, as, as a player, he's the quarterback. That was one of the things your guys in Dallas talked about, uh, especially Harlow and my you know, the, the seniors, the veterans on offense, taking some of that leadership burden so it doesn't all fall on a sophomore quarterback. Is, is that something you talked with them about? Or yeah, that, 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 was, that was one of the main conversations we had, and we had that in springtime, right after the spring game, saying, look, this is the way we're going. It was evident to everyone on the team who had won the quarterback job. I mean, there were, you know, if you didn't know who won it, then, you know, you weren't in practice. So with that being said, they needed to know that, you know, that put a, that put a bigger burden on, you know, Jermaine Mondine and, and Nalu and Berman and Cox, in addition to Harwell and Tony and some of those guys. There, there were other guys. Pat Lewandowski did a nice job of, of becoming, you know, a, a bigger vocal leader. You know, we have a lot of older guys now that have played, so it's a little different. It's not, <coughs> leadership's not something you want to be faking, but it, it took some of the burden away from Montel and let him, you know, grow through through the summertime. And Charlie, how, how careful will you be with Tony for the next month or so going into the season? Well, I mean, he's, I think the fact that he's not inside as a running back on a regular basis taking you know, taking all those extra hits. I mean, we'll make sure that he doesn't get pounded on. You know, and we'll be we'll be fairly conservative with Tony. You know, because especially with this state of the union, if you really care about your players, you don't want to be hypocritical about guys who have had concussions in their in their past. So we'll be cautious there. But he also has to get hit some, so that he knows that I I get hit and get up and go play the next play. So. You have to you have to make sure that there's at least a little, enough contact in there where he's game ready come September 6th. Justin McKay is at the top of the depth chart. Is that a nod to what he did in the spring or anything since then? Justin Justin McKay and Rod were very very close. Um, you know, um, we just go by 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 who were who performed best. In the beginning of the spring, you know, Rod was clearly ahead of uh, Justin. By the end of the spring, it was it was very close, but Justin was playing better than Rod, so that's where we put him there. I mean, I think that the two deep that we threw out there, obviously, everyone has noticed Nigel King uh, now being on the roster by now. Uh, you know, when he became available, and you know, he graduated last Friday from Maryland, and. Asked for a release, and Coach Edsel released them to everyone but the schools in the Big Ten, similar to like our philosophy. And you know, his high school coach had a relationship with with Coach Keysaw, and we so we you know we got into this mix. We you know checked with coaches over there, and we got into this mix. And now when we throw out a two deep a wide receiver, and when you get Tony and Nigel, and you get when you get Nick and Trey, and you get you got Justin and, and Coleman before you even get to the other guys. You know, you're putting six receivers out there that you feel can all play, can all win for you in the Big 12. What, what kind of impact do you have? I don't know. You know, I'm, I'll know more about him after I get to, you know, all I've done is watch him on tape. This all happened fast now. I mean, you know, like all of a sudden the kids on the street, you know, we had an opening, you know, we had, you know, one guy leave, and we had an opening. And what we felt was to perceive too deep. And when he came available, you know, when you could say a guy walking in, that's where you're going to start. You know, that a guy like that, he's looking for somewhere where he thinks he has a chance of playing. So, you know, it, look, it looks good on tape. And then, you know, but I, I prefer to just go by what we see now that we got him here. Did you add anything that your receiving core didn't have? Uh, experience, experience and production. Yeah. Mm. Guys produced, guys made plays, scored touchdowns. It'd be nice to have some receivers to score some touchdowns. Without being sarcastic. What's your plan behind Montel? Is that an open battle? I'd say that right now, right now, I'd say it's too close to call. I think that. You know, based off experience, I think Michael would start off ahead of TJ. 
the thing is, TJ and Michael are not the same player. You know, they both have different strengths. You know, so we're just going to both battle it out. Hey, look, we're not going to just sit, sit there and say they're never competing for the first guy, but if we would not have named Montel a quarterback if it was too close to call. You know, so now that competition is going to be who's the number two. And right now, when we first go out there, it will be Michael, but, you know, both Michael and and TJ will, you know, battle it out, and, you know, and you still have Darwin in there in that, in that mix too. But I say right now, the, the close race is between is, is between Michael and TJ. That's different than, than obviously trying to find a starter or two guys battling for number one. How important is it to settle that? You know, you've got plenty of time to do that. You're in no rush to do that. You know, they're both going, they're both going to the game. You know, this isn't like, well, you take it or you're not taking They're going to the game. Doesn't make a difference where you're going. Those three guys are all gone. So you got plenty of time. You know, what we have to do is, you know, build chemistry with the first guy, you know, with you know, with, with the players playing. That's what we have to do. It's, you know, I've been really big, uh, big emphasis on chemistry, you know, from in all, all parts of our organization, between players, the coaches, and everything. And I think that with, Don't exactly fire me up, but I'd like to be able to settle in and you know, start to be good at, at, at a few things and do a lot. You mentioned that it was evident that Montel won the starting job at spring game. What did you see from him the spring game uh, as far as the improvements from the end of last season? The spring game was irrelevant. It was just another practice. Spring game means something to you. It doesn't really. It's just one of 15 practices to me. That's all it is. So when you go, the spring game just was one of the 15 practices. You 60% of the game on a, on a windy day. You know, um, ran, ran, ran the ball, you know, he can run the ball and make some plays with his feet, can bail us out, uh, bail us out of some situations. I mean, kid's got a lot of athleticism and he's become more accurate as a thrower. That's the biggest thing is the accuracy for him? I think the biggest thing is, you know, not being nervous because accuracy was ne is never an issue when you watch him throw in practice. It's what going to do when the pressure's on. You know, quarterback's totally different when people can actually hit you. You know, it's one thing when you know you're not going to get hit. You know, a lot of times you're way more accurate when you know that even if a guy has a free rush on you, you're not going to get hit. It's a totally different deal when you know they can smack you in the mouth. You know, so I think that he, he was better in just about every facet. Coach, in the spring, I know Ja'Cory uh, Shepard had moved and Kevin Short was starting, but now Short's back to behind Shepard. It's sort of similar to the conversation before when we were talking about Justin and Coleman. I mean, if you just went by the basis of the 15 practices, because that's what we do. We go back and you know, watch them all over again and go through everything and say, who actually played better? You know, that's another too close to call. You know, I mean, I could have put orders down there in, in those situations right there. It could be Corey or Orkin, but one guy's played for us and one guy hasn't played for us. So I just don't think it's fair to the guy who's played for a year to sit there and list him as a backup when, when the other guy didn't play. just don't think it's fair. How is this year going to be different for you, sitting down with your offense Yeah, well, I've spent a lot, a lot of time with that. I'm really looking forward to being the head coach. You know, I spend so much time, you know, just spending so much time on the offense and trying to find out, you know, how you can create something, create something, you know, whether the efficiency is not even the point, just that you're spending, you know, 20 hours a day trying to figure out how to get it better, how to get it better. What I'm going to do is, you know, I'm going to spend some time um, sitting in the offensive room, I'll spend some time sitting in the defensive room, but really, I'm going to spend much more time on special teams. That's where I'm going to spend my time. Because I won't let the coaches coach. So I'm not going to trick, change the way we handled special teams as far as different guys having different facets. But I'm going to be in every special teams meeting. And I'm going to create the level of importance on special teams from today on. You know, every player will know. <coughs> There's one special teams meeting the entire year I will not be here for 
and that will be the night of Corinth Square because the special teams meeting is going to be why I'm there. Other than that, I'll be in every special teams meeting because this way it gives me a bit. Special teams are one one of the best ways to have your finger on the pulse of the entire team because you're using both offensive and defensive guys. This way, I let the offensive coaches go to the offense, the defensive coaches go to the defense. You know, I can just be there as a sounding board for for both Clint and for John. But more importantly, on game days, my bit besides you know critical decisions, my biggest thing is going to be to be much more involved in special teams. I'll do that during the week as well. Charlie, this is just kind of a philosophical question, but when you look at the offense at the college level, what, what do you think is more important, the scheme or uh, or the quarterback? Oh, I. scheme you have, you know, if, if you have a top-line quarterback, you know, but that being said, okay, I think that you have to look at all your personnel, not, you know, not just your skilled people, you have to look at your offensive line and your tight ends and your running backs and your wide receivers before you get to your quarterback, and really the last couple of years, okay, the quarterback position has not been productive. Part of the reason they haven't been productive is because all those other positions haven't been productive. So really, what bails you out in those situations? What bails you out is a guy who has some athleticism. That's what bails you out. Bails everyone else out, too. And I think with Montel, we certainly have that guy who can bail us out of, bail us out of some problems. You recruited him, obviously, when you were running uh, your offense. Do you think he's more suited to the run John's kind of spread? Well, see, spread, you know, spread is just an alignment. You know, it's not a mentality. It's an alignment. I mean, John likes to run, run the hell out of the ball. Okay, what we've done now is we've added an extra runner. You know, so with Montel, it fits John's scheme way better than Montel would fit mine because in my scheme, okay, the quarterback is not a runner. Quarterback hands off to the running backs and gets the hell out of the way. That's what that's what he ends up doing. And this scheme, he's another guy you have to defend. You talk, you talk a lot about just letting John take care of the offense and run the show. You obviously just alluded to it as well. You also mentioned that sort of it was kind of a, a meshing of, of what you did before and what he does. No, I, I didn't even go to the meetings. Okay, so does that include, include terminology? I mean, is that all different? Yeah, no, they, they, they've they mixed the two of them. Uh, not with my, uh, I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying it's them versus me. I'm just saying, look, if I go in there, if I hire him, and then I'm in there all the time, then I'm defeating the whole purpose. You know, then everyone says, well, Weiss can't help himself. Okay, that's why I hired the guy. I hired the guy to go ahead and do that. Now, there were things, rather than change terminology on things that we already had here, you know, things that, that were in his system that were in our system, there was no reason for, to change them. Okay, so I don't know what percentage of that was. You could ask John, he'll be in there. You could ask him that, that when he comes in here. All I know is, you know, it's, it's his terminology, and some of the terminology is carryover because of the things that he was doing that we were already doing that we figured why change the name of what it is. So you know, are you littered with all the terminology that you said in the meeting? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm littered with the defense too. I'm just not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna tell them what to call. Carol, you mentioned the pieces of the offense, you know, the, 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 the offensive line. What's your assessment of that unit as far as making everything else work? We are gonna be very big I mean, we're going to be very big. Now, I don't know right now, okay, how this is all going to play out, but I know when I looked in the hallway yesterday and saw Mazique and Devon Williams, you know, both pushing about 370, you know, there was no room to walk down the hallway next to those two guys. You know, and, you know, that we, you know, a lot of the team, people we go against every week, the one thing, They'd have a lot of big people out there, and we wouldn't. Okay, well, we get a lot more big people now than, than, than we've had.
a junior in there. You know, he might be a freshman, but you know, there's another, you know, another guy that 350 would be being generous. He hasn't seen 350 in quite some time. I'll just say that. <clears throat> in terms of production, do you go back and look at numbers and then extrapolate and say, hey, you've got to get to a certain point in terms of yardage points, that sort of thing? Yeah, normally I do that. So we spend a lot of time on self scout, but with the change of what you're doing offensively, let's start with that first of all. Really, you're just worrying about getting the foundation in and growing. Now, defensively, because it's, um, it's not the first year of a system, you know, we're way further along as far as self-scout on that end because now we can, you know, even just simple, how do we get pressure on the quarterback with rushing only four guys? Okay, are we just counting on one guy to do that? You know, there's a lot, there's a lot, these are the type of conversations that go on when the system is pretty much a carryover system that's being tweaked. Whereas offensively, where it's a new system, you're not worrying as much about the self-scout because you weren't doing that. You know, this is all new stuff. So what you want to do is put it, put it in and figure out, you know, what gives you the best chance before you get into, you know, getting ready to play your opponents. Okay, when you get ready to play your opponents, you're, you know, if you're playing against a team that plays all man, then you get to have a bunch of man beaters in there. You know, you, they, these are the things that you do in training camp anyway to go out and put yourself in position to go ahead and do that within John's system. Charlie, how do you plan on replacing James Sims? I'm pretty happy with our running back situation now. I mean, I mean, Brandon, Brandon Bergen and Taylor Cox have been, you know, waiting for their opportunity. And this man guy, that's, that's here, he not, he didn't come here to sit behind him. There will be more of a running back by committee? It'll be, let's see, let's see who the best guy is. You know, I don't, I couldn't, I couldn't answer right now, but all I can say is, before you even get to Corey Avery, or putting Tony in the backfield a little bit, I mean, those three guys, I mean, there's a lot of people that would that would be very happy having those three guys as as, as they in competition for the number one running back. A lot of people. Gerald mentioned speaking of Avery, I know only been here a little bit, and obviously he's got a ways to go. But do you see him uh, more as a running back, or do you potentially play him? He, he's a he's a natural running back. It's what he is. He might evolve evolve to a Tony. But right now he's a natural running back, so that's that's where he'll be, you know. Like, and you know he brings something to the table that the other three guys don't, because he's got giddy up, you know. So, you know, it's not going to shock me when he if he performs well. But you know he's you know he's he's walking in fourth on the depth chart, and that's not even including if we put Tony over there too. So you're you're, you're walking in fourth slash slash fifth on the depth chart. You know, you've got a ways to go before you can get into get yourself into that mix. Let's start defensively. You know, the one thing we in, in this league, it didn't take long to figure out that if you don't have athleticism in this league, you don't have much of a chance. You really if you don't have athleticism on defense, because they're going to spread you out, they're going to go fast, and you're going to have to be able to play in space. And it includes the defensive line. Now, you used to be able to play defensive line and just put big slugs in there. You can't do that anymore because you'll get gashed. It will just expose you right, right there. And it used to be you could play with a middle linebacker that was 250-pound bruiser. Now, we have that, that Heaney guy who can run sideline to sideline, and in this league, that's really what you need. You know, so, and you know, we feel, you know, that's the best, obviously, we've felt about when we get hand you out a roster. <clears throat> you look at that roster, you can see, you know, you, most of you know the names. You know, this is the best we've felt by a wide margin about the, the, the talent we have here. Now, that being said, I mean, we, we've done very little to back it up. From me right on down. So we'll see where it goes. 
With the addition of uh, King, does that affect how much you might use Tony at running back? Well, what Tony, what Tony does is it gives you an opportunity to get into different formations that the team has to decide whether or not they're counting him and their count. Are they counting him as a wide receiver or as a running back? For example, we could have Tony in the game and be in two back sets. Or we could have five wide receivers out there. You know, with him being one of the five wide receivers and being empty, but then we could be in any three by one or two by two formation with him being the back in the backfield. So, you know, it forces teams to have to figure out how they're gonna how they gonna designate him. Are they gonna designate him as a wide a full-time wide receiver? Or are they gonna designate him as uh, sometimes a running back, sometimes a wide receiver? And that will give John, you know, it'll be very apparent how they handle that, and then John can adjust accordingly. Hey, John, talk a little bit about TJ Simke. TJ Simke prob probably, no, very few people know about TJ Simke here. Okay, by the way, he's, in the, in the summertime, he's one of those bail bondsmen that goes, you know, goes after those people. <laughs> if, I, if I were going into a fight somewhere, uh, if I were taking five players from this team to go with me, he'd be in that five, for sure. Okay, but all he's done is worked so hard that he's made everyone else better. When do you ask, ask when you talk to Bolton here days down the line, who, who made him improve the most in the summertime? The answer is going to be 70. Because all he did was push, push, push. I mean, he is the respect of both the coaches and the players. Don't be surprised to see him on the field. Charlie, locally speaking, what did you like so much about Joe Deneen playing over at South Free State? Well, I mean, Joe, Joe Deneen has to decide whether or not he wants to be a DB or a linebacker because he can very well eat himself into a linebacker. You know, a couple of good home-cooked meals and he's going to be a linebacker. But the one thing when I went and watched him play, I, I liked him on both sides of the ball, by the way. I liked him at quarterback as well, you know. And he would be an emergency quarterback if I ever got to that point, just so you know. Okay, but with that, with that being said, I mean, he was just a leader of their defense. I mean, he'd, he'd make plays all over the field. I mean, he'd, he's one of those heir parents that you know, just like Cassius right now. You know, Cassius might not be the best player we have in the secondary, but he's clearly the leader of the secondary. You know, he's, you know, he's the guy who's on top of everything. And you can see, you can see Joe Deneen evolving into that role. And I think in the secondary, every good secondary has that guy, the glue. And I, I think that Joe Deneen has potential to be that glue. And throw one thing on top of it, I love the fact that he's local. You know, I, I love the fact that he's homegrown and, you know, that he gets to play in his hometown and, you know, his, his family's, you know, 10 minutes away or five minutes away. And you know, I think that's great for him, it's great for us. Coach, you've talked uh, quite a bit about the need for athleticism in this league. But also looking at your um, depth chart, I see only um, only two starters listed who are less than junior. Um, that's quite a long time since been able to say that around here. Um, what about the effect of maturity? Well, I mean, you know, we knew that there'd be risk reward after I, after we got into program. We knew there'd be risk reward when we went with the high volume of junior college players next year. Way higher than you really want to be taken. Okay, but because we did that, even with the guys that aren't here anymore, the foundation of our team is all playing. I mean, if you just, for example, you look at the, the secondary, okay, with the exception of Jacory Shepard, who was a receiver when I got here, he was a receiver at the time. Okay, Dexter, okay, came back from junior college. Cassius came from junior college. Isaiah, Came from junior college. Kevin Short came from junior college. I mean, uh, now all of a sudden, throw Jacory in there 
before we even get to Greg Allen and those guys, now all of a sudden you've got yourself some guys that are that are athletes that can play. That's why you know you know our team our team is has expectations to be a lot better than most other people think. Charlie, at this point in time, do you see the progress from the first got here to right now before we start walking? Well, I certainly see it on defense, and I see evidence of it um, on special teams. And I think that offensively, uh, I think that what we're doing on offense gives us a better chance to win. And if I didn't think it gave us a better chance to win, we, 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 wouldn't, we wouldn't make the changes that we did. And bringing John in. Okay, it's been a big plus. I think bringing Keesaw in, that was also a big plus. I think that those two guys have helped invaluably, you know, with us changing, you know, the things that we're going to do on offense. I think it is what John does with the running game. He's misconception. Not the spread. And he was saying passing off. He likes to run first, which, you know, that, that's one of the things I like the most when you have an athletic quarterback. See, the problem, the problem we had is the only time that we really ran the ball with the quarterback was when we ran with Michael a couple of years ago, but our passing game was so inefficient. He was so one-dimensional. You really didn't weren't putting yourself in the best chance of winning. You are putting yourself in the best chance of controlling the ball. You know, that's what you were doing. I think now, with John's mentality of wanting to run the ball first and have an athletic quarterback who can also throw it, now you got a chance. You've got, you've got a legitimate chance. And like I said, you know, I had this long conversation with a couple of my buddies that, that are coaches elsewhere. And I said, why why did you do this? And I said, because I think it gives us clearly the best chance of winning. You know, and it's, I believe that with what John's doing, I like the fact that it's a run first mentality. You know, there's other organizations, you know, other schools that we play against that you know we're going to throw it 70 times. Um, if we throw it 70 times, it means we're down by 50. You know, I don't know, I don't see us throwing it 70 times. In what ways is Kozar a better passer than Kozar? If he is. More accurate. That's really what it comes down to. Michael's got a cannon for an arm. And I'm a big fan <coughs> of Michael. I think he's made drastic improvements. Continues to work to get better on the accuracy. Okay, but you know, uh, I'm not, we wouldn't be afraid to play Michael. We think we would put Michael in there. But you know, Montel was just shown to be better and just and, and everything. And shown to be, that's why we, that's why we needed the quarterback. Coach, can you talk about your place kickers? I think that it's really going to be interesting. Um, you know, when Matt made that field goal last year to win the game, that was that was both a, both a blessing and a curse. Young guy, inexperienced, inexperienced. The whole school, you can see Saturday night on the town for him was probably a good night, wouldn't you think? Okay, but after that, you know, his accuracy for the rest of the year, you know, was 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 really bad. Now, he has a pro leg, so he has, he has every ability to be a frontline field goal kicker, okay? His whole summer was spent on, you know, being more dependable, being more accurate. Now, with John Dubek coming in, I mean, he's going to have to work cut out, because the one thing he is, is accurate, you know? So, let's see what he does when there's 50,000 people in the stadium, though, too. Once again, goes back to the quarterback not getting hit conversation before. You know, the field goal kicker when there's no one around is a lot easier to kick field goals than you know when there's you know when there's a crowd there and, and, and the and the kick has had an importance. But I think you know I think it's clearly between those those two guys. So we have other guys who can do it, but I think it's going to come down to those two. Can you talk about your three non-conference games? Sure. What do you want? Uh, did you like the <coughs> schedule? I mean, do you, do you like 
really don't worry about the schedule too much because the schedules are made like years and years in advance. Right. You know, um, I think that uh, you got to be respectful of everyone you're playing against. And we've obviously done homework on every single team. And some teams you do different work than you do on other teams. You know, some teams have the same coordinators. Some teams have new new coordinators. You know, you know, you have one team that you know you have that were playing their own year. Their staff was in Toledo, so now you watch Toledo tape. You know, so it 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 all depends. But you know, I think that I, I love opening up with a game at home, and then we're going to go. You know, we're going to go down to Durham to play Duke, and I think that that gives us a great opportunity. You know, because you know Duke's on obviously a team that's on the uptick in the ACC. It's on the rise, and I think that that gives us a it gives us a great opportunity to put this this road deal behind us. I mean, everyone's going to tell you you have no chance. I don't think anyone in our locker room will think that way. Come home against Central Michigan, and then get ready for the Big 12. Gone. Start in Texas. Couple seasons now playing against these Big 12 opponents. Do you feel like you have a familiarity with? what the systems are in the different programs and kind of maybe helps you have to prepare for it a little bit more so you look so much time to, oh, I don't know what this system is, I don't know what you have to prepare for that before. Well, I mean, each, it depends on what school you're going against. For example, Texas, everything's new. That's our first game, everything's new. Different offense, different defense. Okay, same players, but, you know, everything is different. So you do a personnel study on them, and you actually study Louisville tape. You know, but then Dole played three or four games before you play him, so you're going to use the foundation of your scout report that's going to be based on games that haven't been played yet. Now, in other cases, you know, that's that's not the case. Not the case. You know, sometimes you're playing against teams with a coordinator who's saying, and you could settle in on, here's what they were good at, here's what they weren't good at, here's how they got exploited. You know, how much time you spend on a team in an analysis in the offseason is directly related to, you know, what are they going to do on offense and defense so that you can so you can prepare prepare for it? How long has Beck been, been inside? He played both guard and tackle in the spring. One, <coughs> uh, we knew that once uh, Devon Williams got here, we were going to create. You know, we we were going to put one of those two guys at guard and one of those two guys at tackle. Okay, so Beckman will know both guard and tackle. But you know, we felt that he's that he's clothed better than the other guys enough to be in the too deep. And I want to get those two big guys getting as many reps to see where we are with them early in the year. And I'm talking about you know both Devon and Larry. I want to get them out there. But once again, they walked in there. I'm not putting them first. Yeah. You know, that's that's not right either. You know, let's and see how it goes. You talked about looking at the vocal leadership and all that. Is that? Well, I mean, I'd like to think that based off of his mannerisms, you know, and being settled in and tackle and how, you know, how he, how he, you know, picked it up in the, in the summertime. Um, and, you know, he's 290 plus. He's not like that 260 guy that gave himself the 290. Now he's settled in or is it two? No, he's not, you know, Larry's 370, you know, he's 290. So, I mean, you can't hide the difference in the size. I mean, Larry, just to get around him takes some time, you know, so, um, but uh, I think Pat, you know, Pat is not, you know, has not gone through the summertime just waiting for somebody to come out and move ahead of him. I don't think that's his game plan. I think his game plan is for you're going to have to work, work really hard to move ahead of me. That, that was the deal last year, too, with Kiva and Kevin Young and those guys. That, did, did, Maybe some of these guys that are still here, the younger guys that are still here, did, did they see that? Do you think they saw that and, and maybe that chipped or rubbed off on that? It could, have, it could have been. I never thought of it from that perspective. Yeah. You know, I, I could forget, but I, you know, I really didn't give it that much thought. Yeah. So Charlie was sent to you, are you saying that you just tell the quarterback and Jeff Bale that uh, that will It'd be a good person. I think that's what his dad's company is. I think that's what they do. I mean, so that's his summer job. You know, one of his summer jobs. But uh, he's tough. He's strong. I mean, I 
just remit yesterday, our meeting yesterday was on strength, the strength and conditioning report from the summertime and our medical report from the summertime. So that's what we met with yesterday, both with Hosample and with Murphy Crane to go over it. In the book, you know, um, they ranked the, the strongest at every position, and the strongest defensive line was Sankey. You know, so uh, that, that's, you know, that's, there's no phony in there. That's based off the statistics. The best part of that meeting, I have to tell you, is Hosapple makes these books of before and after pictures of their bodies. Now, the bodies are still ugly now on you. But to watch them where they were and where they've come, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. You look at some of these guys and just can't believe it's the same person. I mean, and that, you know, some of them don't look much different, and you know that's not a good thing when they don't look much different. Does he show to show me visual evidence of, um, of what a guy, I'll, I'll cite an example of a player that we haven't talked about, there's a guy by the name of Ronnie Davis who's a back in the corner. I looked at the picture before and looked at the picture now, it doesn't look like the same player. I mean, he was 172, he was 190. I mean, don't, look, don't even look like the same guy. I wouldn't know he was the same guy looking at his body. You know, watching a guy like Hapa, Who's, you know, now let's, let's not even go, let's go with Milo, who's starting left guard, okay, watching how his body has become more toned. And, you know, he's always a big guy, but a little bit sloppy. Well, you know, you just don't see the same. You know, that, that's encouraging. When you are recruiting you know, 17, 18 year old kids, is it difficult to look at them and look at their body and development, put on weight, like you said, and, and trying to almost kind of do guesswork and see how much they're embodied by trying to put on weight wise and so on, other things like that? It's hard for me, it's not as hard for Osapo. You know, guys who do this for a living, like linemen, I know that Parcells used to always look at all the linemen's calves. And he had big calves, he was interested. If he didn't have big calves, he wasn't interested. Or, or, you know, sometimes it would be a big ass. <laughs> Seriously, you, you know, if a guy had a thin, thin butt, it wasn't interesting because they, they were only going to be so big. You know, so, I mean, there are things, but, you know, that's why he's, I don't even Scott, I might trust Scott. And Scott says, I said, what do you think of this kid? He says, well, he, you know, he could be a 300 pounder. I'm trusting that, you know, a year a year or two with no salary is going to be a 300 pounder. You know, I also have that reverse question. When a guy is way, you know, way overweight, can we get him down? And, you know, he might say yes or he might say no. If it's no, then, you know, that ship sails, we let it go. Was Collins have to move or did he have to move that? He had no input. Did he have any input? No. chance to get on the field because he was not in the mix for wide receiver. You know, you know, now, he's a height, weight, speed guy. You know, you go through the measurements in the summertime, he's always like through the roof. But we're trying to get him a chance to get onto the field. And, you know, uh, as we looked at that, that position, see that nickel position in this league, better be somebody who can cover man to man. So where everyone wants the nickel to be, you know, some of the bigger guys, well, guess what? They're messed up with those slot receivers. You know, now you got no chance. <coughs> How much influence does John have on the Jacob Bragg, okay.
Uh, right now, he's coming in. He's, he's the third center. Okay, from what I watched in the off in the offseason, Jacob Bragg contend. Now, would I like to redshirt a freshman offensive lineman? You betcha. But not if he can end up being a starter. I mean, so you have to you have to see if he goes by, you know, both both Joe and Keon before you get to that right there. But those are the type of things, you know, that. You know, I'd say, hey, let's make sure we give this guy a chance to see what it looks like. Because sometimes position coaches are too quick to want to cut down to the guys who are just going to be playing in the games. And I think that for you have to have some patience for the first week and a half to two weeks of training camp to make sure you don't do that so that you don't miss anyone. Because you could miss somebody if you do that. Jeremy. Go back a little ways. When he first came in here, he was uh, he never started a linebacker before. He was kind of in the position. When did you know that you had a a front line player? Um, by the end of the first year. By the end of the first year, you know, you know, he's first of all his temperament is. It, you know, he's always the guy living on the edge, as you know. That's how he always played. But he's just grown so much. He's just, he really has, he's grown so much as a person. You know, he's stepped up and he's, you know, he's said to the team things that, you know, that he's done wrong, that, you know, that he acknowledges that, you know, that he wants to do better because it's all about, for him, about winning. He's really, more than anything else, has turned himself into a leader. You know, there's no doubt that there's a bunch of guys on defense that want to be like he. And that's, a, that's now a good thing. There was a time a couple of years ago that might not have been a good thing, you know. But now, you know, they want to be like him, living on the edge, going, you know, going 100 percent on every play, making plays. You know, then you know you got a chance because now they don't want to be outdone by him. That's a good thing. You compare him to uh, Zach Thomas a few times. Zach. Yeah, because Zach Thomas, look at I played against Zach a whole bunch of times. Okay, and everyone said, nah, he's too short, not big enough. I want to see what he's make every play go to the Pro Bowl every year. Too short, not big enough. And what do they say about Edie? Too short, not big enough. Look, if anyone who says he's not fast enough, they obviously don't watch the same things that I watch. I mean, because, you know, this guy is a, you know, this guy is a legitimate, frontline player, and uh, I'm not going out, I'm not reaching when I say that he might be as good as any defensive player in the league, period. I'm, I'm not reaching when I'm saying that. I, I, I truly believe that. Look, I watch all the defensive guys every week. You know, and I, I would want to eat on my team. Is Watson a freshman who would have is Watson a freshman who had a chance to work with you? I'd say that I've been very encouraged with Watson. You know, I think that, you know, here's an odd couple relationship for you. Heaney has taken him under his wing. Seriously. You know, even in recruiting, they, they kind of hit it off. And I, I think that Kyron would like to end up being Heaney when Heaney's gone. And that, and right now, based on the conversation we just had with Rustin, you want that, you know, that, that's a good thing. Two years ago, that might not have been a good thing. But I think that the kid's got a lot of athleticism, he's got a lot of drive, he's done everything the right way, did well academically in the summertime. I'm very encouraged with, with Kyrie. You said track. You've been watching the change out here with that's one of the biggest changes that the average fan has I mean, it really, it really looks good, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've watched all the things they had to do, you know. And yeah. I think that <clears throat> when Shane came to me and talked about the possibility of doing it, the one, his, one of his biggest concerns was them not being able to have it done in time. And I actually had an experience that I could share with them because my, my first year at Notre Dame, we did the same thing. We ripped up a field that had a track. 
and by the first week of August, it was ready to go. And I said, look, at, all I can tell you is I watched it happen, and I thought there's no way it was going to be ready. But, you know, now with all that extra turf, okay, you know, for one of the biggest issues I have is daylight savings time. When it, when it gets dark early, well, there's so much turf on that field. Do you know the Texas practices on there from game field every day? Because, you know, you know, so I, I could see, you know, everyone's worried about all the spies that hang up on, on the, in the parking lot, right, in that parking garage. Well, I mean, you could practice on, you could practice there every day you wanted to because there's so much turf there on that field. Besides the fact that it looks so much better cosmetically, and that's before they even put up the, this new, you know, metal fencing that they're going to put up that, you know, I think that it's a great start. It really is a great start. I think that it's going to be, it's going to be great for the football players, first of all, because the venue now has become much safer. And I think that visually for the fans, it's, it's a nice day today. Is that right? Do you school still has a Didn't they take it out? I thought, I thought they were taking it out. Well, they didn't. I knew, I knew that they, they were doing it. I thought they were doing that last year. Did they take it out already, George? No, after the season. After this season, I'm taking it out. So, somebody will be up there and I'll just uh, I'll look up and might use a little New Jersey vernacular <laughs> you know I've been known to do that once or twice too it's amazing they hear me when I do that and they and they always they always disappear you know they you know they're, they're not there anymore do they ever phone cameras going oh I'm sure they do You can't listen. You know, I mean, you got so many things to worry about that you, you can't spend a lot of time worrying about that. You really, you really can't. You know, practice, great practice fields. They have to be in every word. People can, if they want to do that, they can do it. So, not much you can do about it. Taylor Cox hasn't played in a while. I mean, that multiple injuries or different injuries and that's uh are you he's just on a, he's just on an extra stretching program. You know, everything he is everything with him is chronic groin, chronic ham, you know, where you know it doesn't get better. So he's on a you know, he's on a he's on a big stretching program to try to minimize those minimize those things. He's not the only one, but you know, he's that, that's his real deal. He gets so tight because he's so muscular. He gets so tight, so he's on, you know. Not that he wasn't on the stretcher program. 